Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg where we think marketing strategy should be in plain English. This is Lorraine Ball and Allison Carter and today we're going to talk about English. I literally could not be more excited to talk about this. I'm guessing that you're literally not very excited at all. Well, no, I'm actually literally moderately excited, but literally is kind of on the foreground of this intense, dramatical debate that's going on right now, and I find it fascinating. Well, you're a words person, so you would, and would, but I also think that really anyone who's putting content on the internet, sending emails, writing blog posts, needs to be following some of the conversations about what's changing in the English language. Yeah, you know, it's funny, ever since... English became a thing back in the early year, about a thousand, it's been this crazy bastard language. It's heavily influenced by Latin, it's heavily influenced by the Norman invasion, so we share a great deal of our language with the French. We're constantly a little magpie language, incorporating words from other cultures like tsunami and those kinds of things. So I find all of the um, derm und strong when there's a new word added to be absolutely hilarious. It's it's interesting because words slip into speech. They become part of our speech patterns, and the natural evolution is that they will make their way into the written language as well. Yeah, you know, it's a funny thing. Um, as we were talking, literally has recently had a second definition added to it in most dictionaries in that it is a word used for emphasis. Like, I was literally so happy I could die. No, you weren't, you know. I literally died when I saw that. You know, I literally peed my pants. No, I, I hope for everyone's sake that that is not actually the case. But the fact is, many people today do not mean it to describe the literality of the situation. They are simply trying to put emphasis, mm -hmm. take something to the extreme. Exactly. And for some reason, this just drives people insane. Like, it can't mean both things at the same time, and of course it can. There are all kinds of examples in the English language of words that are their own antonym, or that are their synonym and antonym. And the bottom line on that is this is how people are using mm -hmm. it. And so, to spend a lot of, well, actually, to spend any mental energy really railing against that seems kind of silly. You know, I honestly think it's fun. I actually got into a, uh, because arguments on the internet are always a good idea, but I got into a, a, a constructive discussion about how language changes, words evolve in meaning. And someone said, you know, they didn't think that was the case. Well, I looked at the etymology of the word change, which actually started as an old Celtic word that meant to barter or to give one good in exchange for the other. So, yes, language change is built into the very fiber of our language and all of these people and many of these are content creators they are writers they are people who hold up the vanguard of grammar well you know good for you but you need to be talking the way that your customer talks and you need to understand what they're saying in return and i think you you need to i think this is an extension of that conversation on voice this idea that if you're going to write like a college professor and, and very theoretical, you may be creating a voice and positioning yourself in a certain way, but you may not actually be reaching your customers and engaging them. You know, no one loves being right more than I do, but there's no good in being right if you're all alone with your rightness. <laughs> 
you know, when I first started um, writing newsletters and blogging for Round Peg, I had a very corporate style. Mm -hmm. And I still have some old school attitudes on what is and isn't appropriate grammar. I hate the word that in most cases. I probably don't use commas as well as I should. I come to, I come to the, um, the, the exercise of writing with, with my own biases. But I really like how my tone has evolved and changed. Mm -hmm. When I read the things that I'm writing today, they are more conversational. Mm -hmm. I think they're more interesting. Yeah, and I think that that is something that we all need to keep in mind. Your own personal, whether that's your personal style or whether that's the style of a brand or or a company that you are writing for, it should not be stagnant. It should be consistent, but that is not the same thing. No, I think there's there's certainly flexibility in there. I think within um, within our organization, and, and as we write for clients and put content together for their clients, you may have multiple voices. You may have not completely diametric, then, then it just gets confusing. But if you read our blog, anybody who reads us regularly can tell the difference between a post written by Jenna, written by you, or written by me, mm -hmm. or Peter. We all have kind of our own styles. I think that's good and that's healthy. Mm -hmm. um, every now and then and, uh, I go in and edit one of Jenna's posts, and I probably edit it too much, mm -hmm. which is why I've kind of stopped doing a lot of that, because I find myself trying to make her sentences sound as if I wrote them. Mm -hmm. And it takes it takes away the personality, it takes away the charm, and I could stand on the mine is right, hers is wrong, but our customers really like her posts and they're fun and they're informative and they sound like her. The fact of the matter is if an editor is editing out your voice and replacing it with their own, they are a very they are a bad editor. Um, one of the greatest challenges, but also the greatest responsibilities of an editor, I say this as someone who does lots of editing, both for Round Pig and, and for Friends and for other things, the voice is the most important thing a writer has. If you take that away, you're, you're really just feeding your own ego. Because the fact of the matter is, there really aren't that many hard and fast rules in grammar. There are some, you know, there are certainly places that comments should and should not go. There are certainly ways that semicolons should and should not be used. But a lot of it's open to personal interpretation and style. Well, in, it is, um, some of it is regional, some of it is generational. Um, generational. Uh, and, and there's, you know, English is not just an American language. Oh, no. And the Brits and the Canadians and the Australians have some grammar rules and certainly some spelling rules that don't match ours. All of those U's and S's that don't belong there, clearly they are doing it wrong. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is that's something that you have to keep in mind when you're writing for an audience. I have done some stuff that was written for, um, well, actually everyone but us absorbs the uh, uses the British spelling rules with the U's and the S's. So and the R-E's instead of the E-R's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're writing for those audiences, you do have to keep that in mind because when you call, you know, when you say color and you don't have a U and you're writing for a Canadian audience, you are wrong. Absolutely. It does not matter that you are Canadian. That's instantly going to take them out and realize that there is an American behind it. And... Uh, those are the obvious things, but there are terms of phrase and pieces of... I don't, sure, a lift versus an elevator, or a truck versus a lorry, 
a loo versus a you know the bathroom you know lots of different things like that and um, all of those kind of contribute to that but it, it kind of sort of comes full cycle on this idea that if you're writing for an audience you need to look at how do they say it mm -hmm. what will they call it mm -hmm. and um, you know because you hang out online with some writing snobs, which is because yes. you're one as well. Yes. Um, do you call somebody out if you see a grammar mistake? Yeah. What do you What do you do? I personally think whether online or in person, there are a, only a very few instances in which it is appropriate or polite to correct someone's either written or verbal grammar. I um, was very grateful. Uh, to a few of our friends who would reach out and DM me mm -hmm. or email me and, yes. and say, hey, you know, you might want to check this. And I appreciate that, but I think, because um, I've seen some of that going back and forth, um, and I, I don't really understand how you win. By calling someone out publicly? Yeah. I am really hard-pressed to think of a situation where it is okay to call someone out publicly, unless you don't have another way of getting in contact with them. Like you're reading a blog and there's no contact information, and you genuinely want them to know there's a typo, there's a spelling error, whatever. Maybe then leaving a comment would be okay, but to a person, if I see a friend of mine who has a grammar mistake on something that matters, a tweet, a tweet is ephemeral, you know? I know that they know the right way to do it and they're typing from their iPhone or they're in a hurry or they're just not thinking about it. I have people who will correct me when I make typos because they're like, oh, Allison never makes typos. I get to call this out. You do it to me. <laughs> and I personally find it incredibly irritating because we're all human. Not a person among us has not made a grammar mistake. You're human? Half human. Okay, on so my mother's side. On your mother, yeah. yeah the, the, the Klingon, no, I'm sorry, the Vulcan part <laughs> of you. Yeah, that's the Carter side. Yeah. But I think that the only instances where it's appropriate to correct someone in any instance, if it's a friend or someone that you know or respect, do it privately. DM them, email them. Hey, I thought that you would want to know mm -hmm. there's this mistake. Um, a child. Children don't know the grammar rules. Grammar rules are complicated. My parents still will correct my grammar to this day. Um, but, you know, that is a parent's role or an adult's role to educate a child. Once you hit a certain point, give up. If they don't know it by now, they ain't gonna. And then finally, uh, the only other time is if you're paying to do it. Mm -hmm. So will I correct uh, a customer's grammar spelling error in something? Of course I will. Sometimes they'll try to correct me back, which always gets interesting. And um, and, and that, I think, is, is really one of kind of the... the the challenging parts of our job is as we um, as we write for other people mm -hmm. and um, we are trying to find their voice mm -hmm. and um, run into their grammar biases mm -hmm. and trying to get them comfortable with yes I, I know you think you need to talk that way but look at look at how your customers are mm -hmm. sharing information look at what they're saying it's it is a little bit of training yeah a lot of times what we see is people want to refer to things by very insider terms like people in, in the HVAC industry love to refer to them as home comfort systems right 
They love just, you know, it's about your home comfort system. Normal people do not call it that. Try to make them think it is not a thing. It is their, their heating system, their air conditioner, their furnace. Don't use, I hate the phrase, home comfort system, but there are some customers who insist on using it, but it is not a thing. And in, in their defense, I mean, and I came out of the manufacturing side, the manufacturers have been trying to get it to be a thing for 30 years. Give up! <laughs> Just give up the freaking ghost on that one. It is not happening. You know, you think after, you know, if after 30 years someone does not know the difference between there, there, and there, they ain't going to learn, and we ain't going to call it home comfort systems. <laughs> I, I, yes, uh, I, I think you're right, and, and I had um, a, co a conversation with a client in that industry over the difference between spring cleaning and um, a cooling season. And it's, you know, I, I understand he wants his customers to call it a cooling season checkup, but all of his clients uh, and all of his competitors are still calling it spring. You know, actually, this is a project that I worked on. Actually, what we wound up going with was air conditioner check and furnace check. And I was okay with that because it's still very evident what it is. And it's still speaking in the customer's language and a way that's understandable. Um, more so than a heating check or a cooling check. People don't call it that. But an AC check or a furnace check? Sure. And I think that's the uh, key to, uh, to being a good writer is to find is to find the perfect word, to find a word that is going to have meaning and create a picture in the mind of the reader that is hopefully comparable to the picture that you see in your mind. That's really what it's all about. You know, it's not about who's right, it's about who's able to communicate most effectively and clearly. And that's why we have grammar, ultimately. It is to make sure that we have something that is readily understandable by the most people. There's enough miscommunication um, in the world in general, a little bit of grammar certainly helps. So if you've enjoyed today's conversation slash rant a little bit about that was grammar. Not a rant, if it was, that was a very mild one for me. We'll have to fire you up sometime and get you to really rant. Oh good God help us all. <laughs> but if you've enjoyed today's conversation, if you'd like to um, learn more about this topic of grammar and voice, be sure to check out some of Allison's recent posts on roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.